Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia, home of the world's greatest artist, TLC, Gladys Knight, India Ari, Indigo Girls, and Hartsfield Atlanta Jackson Airport, the Falcons, and Clark Atlanta University. This is The Bright Side with Technicia, a daily show with real people with real experiences. And now, here's your host, Technicia. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm glad to be here with you today. Today is April 23rd, 2019, and you're listening to the host, which is me, Technicia Day, on the Bright Side with Technicia. And I was just going through my back office on my show, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe it. Overall, I've been doing the show for five years. I started 2014, and my first show was with a minister, a preacher, at the age of 13. And I'm looking at the growth that I have acquired and achieved and accomplished over time, and it just feels so good. It feels naturally good to know that you could do something and add value to other people's lives through a show. So I really do. I, I feel great. The weather is great today, so everything is good. I'm glad to be with you. I'm sorry I'm not on as frequently as much because things have started to change in my life, but I'm glad to be here with you when I can, and I appreciate the love and feedback that I actually get from you guys. But today, I have an interesting show today. Now, you may have seen the topic, and we're going to get in. Well, the topic is actually inspiration for women because this is dedicated for women, but it might be a little bit something enough for you too, man. But anyhow, with me today is Arnon Kate Sullivan, who is an award-winning and best-selling author who's focusing on mythology and folklore for the modern age. Dr. Sullivan obtained her B.A. with honors at Hollis University, her master's and doctorate in literature from Columbia University and King's College London. She later obtained a master's in spiritual psychology and works with individuals who are interested in remembering their inner grail. She also works with a select group of emerging writers each year. Ayan Kate Sullivan's series, Legends of the Grail, successfully launched in 2017, sound out on the first day to an enthusiastic audience and wide acclaim. The first volume, Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses, is a collection of ancient Irish myths and a mythic or untold stories of women recounted at first person. The second and newest volume, Hierons of Avalon and Other Tales, is a collection of Celtic and Arthurian myths and legends focusing on the Hierons' healing journey. Also, the author of an award-winning series of inspirational children's books, Dr. Sullivan has won more than 30 literary awards for her works. Dr. Sullivan continues to write about and lead programs that inspire women. And guess what, guys? We didn't forget you. And men to experience their own grill quest. So although you see that topic, it is still dedicated to you too, guys. But without further ado, I'd like to welcome Dr. Sullivan on the show. Dr. Sullivan, thank you for being here so much. I appreciate this. Thank you for having me on the show. Yes. So I right now I am in near Charlottesville, Virginia, in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains. It's it's incredible today with the dogwoods blossoming and the the red buds are out and it's definitely a bright day. It sure is, and I'm glad to know that you're actually south of doesn't mean that we're still connected. I always consider Southern Southern love hospitality. Um, <laughs> Where are you? I'm actually located in Atlanta, Georgia, and the weather's feeling really good here. It really is because, as everyone knows, Georgia has a have bipolar weather. One minute it's hot, one minute it's cold. <laughs> you're like, wait a minute, it was 75 degrees today. Now today it's 50 degrees, so you never know what you get when you're in Georgia. 
Yeah, it's beautiful here too. It's in the 70s, the high 70s, and just the birds singing and the butterflies flying. It's perfect. Oh yes, because Earth is one. I had a terrible headache, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta continue my day. So I woke up pretty late today. Glad that my headache is gone because it was bothering me. I was like, oh, I really want to get up, but I don't want to end up torturing myself more because I usually get up for my affirmation. I'm like, I just. I knew I could do it in my head to get up. I'm like, oh, I got to deal with this pain, so I'm just going to lay down and take me something for it, and I'm glad it's better because I did not want to miss this show at all. But I'm glad to have your book, too, Dr. Sullivan. I wanted to ask, what really inspired you to write the Legends of the Braille series? Well, you, you probably will understand this, but I was given an overseas research award to King's College London, and uh, I, was, I was excited to go to London. And the, the stipend, what they, the reason they gave me the award was that I was supposed to collect folklore and, and talk about the plays and works of a woman who's kind of obscure, but her name was Lady Gregory. And I, didn't, I had no idea who she was when I, when I accepted, but I said, full ride, I'm there. And wound up in the, in the west coast of, of Ireland, walking around collecting folklore. Now, I didn't know that, that in Celtic mythology that there were so many wonderful, powerful women. <laughs> so I was just very, I'm, I have continued to be very enthusiastic about this topic. What what was so great about Lady Gregory? She was a she was a noble woman. She was an aristocrat. She was an Anglo-Irish aristocrat who, who was really really focused on bringing back um, the stories of the Celtic people, and she was the patron of a very famous poet named W. B. Yeats. She started at the Abbey Theatre, and she would go to the to the colleges. And say, look, you know, we know um, Greek and Roman mythology, we know other world mythologies, but our own stories have almost been completely forgotten, and we need them, and we need to remember that there are wonderful, powerful women, and there have been throughout the past 10,000 years, and we we need to remember their stories. And um, so I, you know, I was at Oxford, <laughs> these different places, and I'm thinking. Okay, I see a lot of busts of white men. Do I actually fit here? Do I actually belong in these halls? And so what I started to do, my, I had lots of conversations with my, my mentor, my, my tutor, who was also a woman, Dr. Leonie Ormond. Wonderful, wonderful, charismatic teacher. She got me through the whole process, which is hard. In England, it is quite hard to get a Ph.D. You have to be very... You have to jump a lot of hoops. But um, she walked me, me through the whole process, and she said, okay, you can tell your wild stories once you graduate. <laughs> 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 so, so then I, 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 the first book, the green book, The Legends of the Grail, Stories of Celtic Goddesses, is about uh, mostly women in, in Ireland. And the second book okay. that just, just came out is mostly uh, women in Mostly from Wales, but but all the way from really from Scotland down to Cornwall, and they're uh, they're really fun. They're really fun, and I think I think what happens I think when people read them, you know, I don't think it matters what your your lineage is. It it inspires you to look back at your own lineage and go, gosh, are there stories that have been forgotten? Are there stories? of the old woman of the world in my tradition that had been lost somehow, and how do I go about recovering them, you know? Right. I'm, we all, I mean, you kind of took a little step further than me, but we always talked about this in high school, Greek mythology, and that's what strikes the uh, interest in my head. I'm like, I got to have Dr. Sullivan on because I would love to know more, although I had went away from this um, sort of thing, but, I'm glad, and then we have the second book here, Terrors of Avalon and Other Tales. You guys got to really pick up these books, but I have heard so many descriptions of the grill. What exactly is the grill to you? So it's changed over the years when you know since I've gone to look for it, but when I first went to look for it, I thought I thought it was the cup of Christ. 
so I went to Glastonbury, and there's this wonderful place in Glastonbury called the Chalice Well, and they they said this is where the the chalice. So they so the idea was um, that it held the blood the blood of Christ, and it was brought as this healing cup, and was held in Glastonbury, which is in the southwest of England. It's like the the British Jerusalem. It's a holy place in Britain, and it was held there, and it had healing powers. And Tudor Pole wrote about it. A lot of people wrote about this place, and there is some very something very very special about the chalice well. But when I went there, I didn't find a cup. I didn't find an actual physical thing. I was sitting by the well, and I started asking for the face of the Divine Mother. I was like, I really want to see or feel or something. I want to know, is there a feminine face of God? You know, um, I was really having trouble with the white male God image. So anyway, so I was sitting by the this well and I had this feeling of the it was really an image of the black mother who came out and she was beautiful I felt her presence I I smelled roses everywhere and I went oh I get it the grail what the grail is is it's your wholeness it's really it's really finding what's missing in you and and so I was so moved by that experience. I, it was a very mystical experience. I mean, obviously it wasn't like a 3D thing. It was this 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 very strong mystical experience where I saw that yes, there is you know the feminine has been missing. And so then I started to go through Glastonbury and notice that there were a lot of churches dedicated to Mary Magdalene. Um, who would have been quite dark. She came out of um, the Middle East and went to France, and then a lot of people said that she wound up in Glastonbury, where she was meant to be the first church. And um, and there, her first church, which was supposedly built in 1 AD, um, you know, sometimes it's hard to find out what's myth and what's legend, but um, according to the scholars there, they say her church was built by Joseph of Arimathea, in 1 AD. So Glastonbury became and is still like the stronghold for the goddess and has been on the planet for a long time, which is, I find, really refreshing because it, it's, it's hard. And, you know, across the United States, there are places that are, that are open to these ideas, but you go to that place and it's completely open. <laughs> you, know, you can talk about all these subjects. So, so I um, I was so moved by some of the some of the characters. Uh, they appear in the book, um, and you know I say, well, if Eve could tell her story in a new way, how would she tell it? That's what that's what the book is about. And and so we have a very early goddess, um, Erinrud, who's a Welsh goddess. And what she does is that she sings, and when she sings, the stars hear her and they sing back to her. And in the singing, they cre- they create all of all of the world. So she's a she's a goddess that comes from the Mabagion. It's an old Welsh text. But what I w- tried to do was to go and say, yes, this is where she comes from. This is the history. So I give that, and then I just allow her to tell her own story, so that they're told for this time, this modern age, and then there are like meditations and practices, so that you can get in touch with this energy this really life-affirming, beautiful energy that sings everything into being. I just love the fact that, I mean, we, we think, you know, just reading the title, we think we're just going to get mythical stories here, but this is way deeper than that. You just mentioned energy. All this is tied up in this book. Um, and the fact that you just, that you took yourself on this discovery just to do all this prepare research with these extraordinary characters in your book. Um, and you have recently discovered through your DNA testing that your family is related to one of the most powerful women of the 12th century, and that's Eleanor. Um, am I saying it right, Eleanor of Aquitaine? It's Eleanor of Aquitaine. Yeah, Eleanor of Aquitaine. She was um, a 12th century queen. And um, wow. what was yes, what was wonderful about it is that she she married a French king, 
And she, the, the reason she was so powerful is that she um, inherited a lot of land. And she basically owned most of what is now considered France. And, um, but she was a really feisty character. And at the time, Christianity was in full swing. Everyone was very excited about Christianity. And so she rode on the Crusades, which means she got on her horse with her silver saddle and her dress and her hawk and her ladies' mates, <laughs> and they rode to Jerusalem. <laughs> on, you know, they had to go on boats and, you know, across deserts and all of this, but she rode to Jerusalem. And um, a- according to some people, she found some sort of mystical power. And when she came back, she left the English king. She married the British king, Henry II, and when she did that, her land extended from Scotland all the way through France. So she she wound up, you know, in the 12th century, you expect to live to 40, you know, but but she lived to 80, and she actually survived. Well, she outlived all of her 10 children, I, I believe, or most of them, and she wound up ruling as as um, the most powerful woman of her age. She, um, when she died, she insisted on being buried with a book in her hand. She thought that reading and education was very important, particularly for women, because if you, if you understand language and you understand your people, you understand um, mystical, mystical um, concepts, then you, can, then you find your voice and you can be a, a contribution to humanity. And so um, I, love, I love her. I love the fact that uh, for, she was imprisoned for, uh, for a while. And while she was in prison, she decided that she would order every book that had been published <laughs> and read them all. <laughs> so that was one reason she served so well. So what, what excited me about this, too, is that um, she knew how important Grail legend was. And so she invited all the Welsh bards, or a lot of the Welsh bards, to come to the courts, her courts, in Aquitaine and also in around London, and tell the stories of King Arthur and Guinevere, and and help people understand what the Holy Grail is. So, like I said, the Holy Grail, when you first see it, you think of it as a cup, and in some traditions, it is a cup. It might be the cauldron of rebirth that the dog they had, there are all kinds of cups that had healing powers. Um, but, you know, I think she started to understand that, no, the, the grail is actually something more mystical. It's more like a circle, which is the sign of the feminine, and that the masculine and the feminine have to dance together to find wholeness, that we all need to extend our hands out to all sentient beings, you know, not just one race one class but every everyone including including the elements including nature including the you know all all of you know all people all things everything that has consciousness we need to work together and and so the 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 round table that is really ultimately the grail um, is where we all come together we hold hands and we work intelligently together we cause no harm we work with life Oh, awesome. You know, and this was a woman. I wish this was still held to this day. You see that? She and she stood up for education. Look how look how long ago that was. So many centuries ago. This woman, these are things that you you're not gonna find in the history book whatsoever. You're not gonna hear of this. I think that she needs to be talked about. You know, not just on the history channel, but really talked about. Even in class that she her know that women were very powerful centuries ago, not just not just maybe in the seventies or eighties, but we're talking about centuries ago way before anybody's time. Like this this is something 'cause I didn't know of this information. But it just sparked so much of a light bulb up in me, like, wow. Look how much power that she wanted for women to empower themselves. So we've been fighting for our rights for for a very, very long time, decades, centuries. This just didn't begin with just women's rights, but we've been fighting forever. I mean, Dr. Sov, I'm so glad. That's why I'm glad you're here because you're making a discovery, and this is so stunning for me. It, it really is. The writing in your book is, is beautiful. 
to me, I mean, you could just feel like you hear the voices of every woman throughout this book. And each one, like the chapter of Heron to Avalon, the words are pronounced out for you so you don't have difficulty like most books trying to sound them out or go on Google. And let me see what this word says, but you actually got it up told. And each one is informed. It gives you a little snip um, preview before it actually goes into detail with you. You're taking us actually on your personal journey, and I love it. And every other element of the myth that's throughout here evolving. It's beautiful. That's that's so good. It was so it was so great to run into the goddess of sovereignty. I didn't know much about her. I, like you said, you, it's not something you learn. It's about at school. You don't hear that. Oh, you know, in the in the fifth century BC, there was a goddess tradition, and women were very powerful. <laughs> so, right. It was right. So it was so good to go back and and find that to discover that, and um, the in the legends of the Grail the first book, um, there is a story about a goddess named Skaya. And um, mm-hmm. as you said, and there's, a, there's a glossary in the back of the book. So if, you, if you're trying to figure out how to use, say, these Gaelic names, there's, there's a little hint. But um, Skaya, so in that tradition, if a man wanted to serve as a hero or a king, he could mm-hmm. only do so if his woman deemed it so. She had to 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 empower him, and um, so so in in the book we have the story of Skaya and Cuchulain, who became the most powerful one of the most powerful heroes of Ireland. This is one first century BC. Um, he. he had to go to, to meet this woman. Now, in order to get to this very powerful woman, this heroine, Skyach, he had to jump across a 22-foot ravine that was full of skulls because most of them didn't make it, you know? And then when he made it to the other side, she's standing there with a the dagger, and she's reading his future, and she says, okay, well, am I going to kill him, and am I, I going to make love with him, or, am I, or does he have what it takes? Am I going to turn him into a hero? And as, she, as he jumped, she read that, yes, he was supposed to be a hero. So she takes off into the forest. And what's so, what's so wonderful about the story is that you realize that in order for him to be a hero, it's not just about him finding his strength, finding, you know, fighting for what is good and true. It's about finding his magic. And the magic can only come from the woman. So she has to teach him how to work with nature, how, you know, when he's going into battle and he's, and he's threatened because he works with Skaya, he can call upon the wind to, to shield him, you know, with, with a cloud. Or he can, you know, if a lightning strikes him, he's learned how to glow like the sun instead of being destroyed by it and so forth. So the, so the stories are in there. And those stories, those types of stories, where the goddess of sovereignty empowers the man, go all the way through Celtic literature. The, probably the most famous is you find an Arthurian legend, which and some of those stories are in Heroines of Avalon, with the stories of Elaine and the stories of Dendrana, who were actually two of the first women to achieve. Dendrana was the person, she was a woman, the first person to achieve the Holy Grail, to find the Holy Grail. And we tend to know the stories of Lancelot and Galahad and Percival and Bors and, and Gwen, but you hardly ever hear of Dendrana. You know, you, they say, oh, the unnamed sister of Percival. But she was actually the first one to achieve the grail, and she was the first one to gate, open the gates of heaven. So she's a very important character that was co- almost completely uh, lost. And I asked... Um, England's expert on Arthurian legend, his name is John Matthews, why she hadn't been written about. And he said, well, I suppose that's your job. <laughs> and I was thinking, too, um, Dr. Sullivan, you made some interesting points there. I was thinking throughout the book, Nations of the Grail, each one describes a different goddess. You're getting to meet this goddess. You're also knowing the colors that are associated with this goddess and the practice that comes along with it. Um, we're actually at my job. We're having a race, and they said dress up as one of your superheroes. These are the superheroes right here. 
These are these are the women who started off. They're they're the beginners. They're the beginners who started all, and they're not even talked about. Like each one, like you'll understand what red means and and what it signifies, what white gold means, but what white olive means. Each each part of the book, it, it speaks on different goddesses and all the colors and and everything. I mean, you guys just really have to get it. But I understand that. Terra and the Avalon and other tales is the second book in the series. How many books are actually in this series? Right now there are three. I am work the one I'm working on now is called Kings and Heroes because uh, I have a son and a daughter and my my daughter of course has loved all the superheroines and um, I think she was very empowered by this process. But when I take people on pilgrimages to sacred places, because I, I take people sometimes on heroine's quests, which means a, hero, a heroine's quest is different than a hero's quest because, you know, the hero goes out to slay the dragon. But a heroine, a heroine doesn't do that. A heroine is learning how to listen, how to, so she's learning her clear audience. How do I listen, how do I listen to my guides? How do I listen to another person? Because if you can listen, you can enter into relationship with another. You know, how do I listen? How do I feel? How do I see with my with my otherworldly vision, my clairvoyance? How do I how do I see what what is often unseen, so that I can find my magic, basically? So I was I have been taking people for a long time now. I mean, a couple decades to sacred sites where. Where they where they begin to remember these qualities and work with them. So my but I also have a son and my son has insisted on going with me too. <laughs> so he says, Mom, I have to go. I'm the protector. I I also have these qualities. And I finally said, um, okay, I will write Kings and Heroes for you because it's very important. Once you find once you find the stories of the goddesses of sovereignty, the empowered goddesses that shine their own light, that have their own thoughts, that, that move their own way, then let's empower the masculine because we really want to dance with equality. And one of the things that I love about Celtic um, mythology, it's not that one's better than the other. It's that when we're both standing in our power, then together we're even more powerful. We're even, you know, we're, if we can be in functional relationship with each other, we can be in functional relationship with life. And so I've been writing these, these stories for my son. He's been, um, we've gone to the Isle of Anglesey, which in the old days was called Mona. It's where the Druids were trained. So we, we've been there, and there are old cairns you can crawl into. And the idea is that you crawl in and you put your back up against the stones and you remember the dreams of the earth. And when you remember the dreams of the earth, you remember the dreams of the ancestors, you enter into a conscious dreaming. I mean, we all dream when we go to sleep at night. But the, the practice here is that, no, dream when you're awake, too. Because when you do that, you remember your hope, your inspiration, why you're here, what creative gifts you can share, how you can love more fully. That's what it's about. And so... It's been really, really lovely to see my son enter into a very respectful relationship with his, his new woman, you know, how they, they've been moved by these stories and they've, they're living them. And, um, and so the plan is to, to walk with him um, and collect Arthurian legend together. So we've done a little bit of it and we'll continue to do some more so that the, uh, the men have their stories too. Son, this like this um, actually all this writing, just not only just empowering the women, but it's empowering the man to make them better individuals. It, it, it's focusing on the goddesses, but it's actually heading and targeting the modern world, and that's what we need because, especially with this millennial world now, you know, I don't know which direction some of them are going half the time because they're I don't know they're just in a whole different direction with all the technology, but this is helping you to understand the roles that each person played. And not only that, to me, it's teaching the young man that there is, you can't go in and follow out the connection to the woman. See, I think that's how it all began with Adam and Eve. We take it out of proportion. No, man needs a woman 
just as much as woman may need the man, but we we are the backbone for the man. That's what I'm getting from the the stories in here, the understanding of our role even during that British mythology time. Well, the woman, you know, woman is is life. You know, she's the one that yes. that brings through all of creation. You don't have life without the that, woman. So you know, to right, so to dominate the woman, to dominate the feminine, to dominate the earth, you get a big mess. <laughs> you know, it's not what you Why? want to do. <laughs> so we've we we've created a, a big mess, and we go ahead. Is that, to me, we always have to bear the most heartache. We have to do. We 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 go through a lot as a woman now. <laughs> People have to understand we do. We have bared a lot throughout centuries. Hey, that's why they got mother. What you think they call it, Mother Nature? We are. I agree with you, Doctor Sullivan. We are the ones. We're we're, we're the bear. We're the child bearing women. We have to go through so much depression, stress. There's a lot on a woman that people can't even imagine what the toll that we have to take on. Our role is very powerful and stressful, but only within us we have to know that power that's in us. We we can't let somebody else tell us or have that control over us. But you're right, and I'm just like I said, I'm grateful that you're bringing that insight throughout both of your um, books here. I see your your books are very illustrated. Who who is exactly your illustrator? Oh, my illustrator is a wonderful woman named Belle Crow Ducre. She's from Alabama, actually, and um, moved to. Now she's living in California, but she grew up in Alabama. And uh, it was a great story about her. She, I met her when I met her. She was a um, interior designer, and she came over to help me. And I, I was, uh, I came into my daughter's room, and she's sitting on the bed crying. I mean, crying her eyes out. I thought someone had died, right? I'm like, what is going on? And she said, I just read your books, because I had uh, written a lot of the stories and just kind of shoved them in the drawer. And she said, I, I just read your stories, and they are so beautiful, I have to illustrate them. <laughs> so I said, great. And so we did. We started out with children's books. We did the first one was Sparkle and the Gift, and it's about um, a mother who reminds her daughter that there are fairies, and they go out into the woods to talk to the fairies. So she, we did that one first, and then the second one that we brought out was um, a story of becoming, which is the story of an apple tree. That was the one she was really crying about, and. Um, that book has done so well. I, I thought it was a little simple children's tale, and um, it won 18 literary awards, and it was a bestseller for several years on Amazon. So I think there were 250,000 downloads of the book. <laughs> but, and it was, picked up, it was picked up by a lot of um, women. I, this surprised me, but it was picked up by a lot of rape crisis groups and women's groups. Um, the Me Too movement really liked it because it's the story of a tree. So um, it's, she's trying to figure out who she is. She doesn't know. She's a little seed. Then she's a little sapling. Then she can see herself in, in this pond. And she realizes, oh, I, that she knows who she is. She's an apple tree. And she realizes she's different from the other plants, but she's important. And she really likes the way that she looks and the way that she's shaped. And then the deer come. And they eat her. And so now she's back under the ground, and she's afraid she's always going to be deformed, and she'll never be right again. And, but the spring comes, and she grows back. And this time when she grows back, she has apples. She has these wonderful red apples, and people come and pick her apples. And for many years, she just is giving her apples, and she's very happy that she's sharing, and the children dance under her. And then one night, there's this terrible storm. And all these, the, the, the lightning's all around her, and then she gets struck. And she thinks that's it. She thinks she's, it's over, and she, she's kind of raising up behind herself. But in the morning, she's different. She has a scar down her middle, but instead of having red apples, she has golden apples. 
and they're miracle apples. So like everyone that comes, they get some wisdom from the tree or their wishes or their dreams come true. And so people come from all over and they give her seeds to each other. But (laughs) there was a woman who doesn't like this. She's the local doctor. She does not like this. And so she comes and she she digs up the tree and she studies the tree and she and she tells everyone there's no miracles in here. This is this is just an ordinary old apple tree. You're all being superstitious and she throws her out. So so the the tree has one little little kind of shriveled apple left and she drops it into the river with the prayer that someone that she has helped will come and collect her and take her back to her meadow. And so the this um, woman hears her in a dream, and she says, oh, we have to go and save that golden apple tree. She needs our help. And so a whole team of people get together, and they walk up and down the river, and they're all looking for the, for the miracle tree, and they find her. And she's, she's kind of shriveled up, but she's still got the scar down in the middle, and they know who she is, and they pick her up. And they take her back to her meadow. But her meadow has missed her so much and has cried so much that it's turned into a lake. So they have to plant her by the edge of the lake. And um, so the story goes on a little bit more. But but the idea is that um, no matter what happens to you in life, if you survive it, you gain wisdom from it. And the idea is not to become bitter. Or, or look at your scar. The idea is, what did I learn from this, and how can I share what I've learned and my wisdom with others? That's really the idea. And, you know, we can go through Why? horrific things and recover okay. and keep going, right? Why? That's and don't the- let nobody to turn you down because you went through such crisis or anything. You have people out there who may say it's your fault. You went through this, and I could see that empowering a lot of women who went through domestic abuse or anything that happened throughout their life, um, signing the love and joy from your book, Dr. Sullivan, because it is. It's teaching you to keep being strong, keep going. you got to fight the fight. Somebody is depending on you by the end of the day. They need to hear your story, so you have to keep moving on. Everybody has a story to tell, and you're the chosen one who has to tell that story and let them know that struggle is real, but you don't have to just let your life end because you went through a crisis. You uphold yourself. Do not let the person who hurts you overcome you and power you, and you can do that by not, for one, forgiving And that's a hard thing to do sometimes in our mind. Why do we have to forgive? The forgiving is not for them. It's for you. Better yourself by the end of the day. So that's what I believe. Your books are very, they are, they're very powerful. They are, they symbolize, there's so much symbolism in them. But the main thing that I'm symbolizing now is just that strength. The strength that us, like we got you talking about, Dollar Thousand, we women bear. We bear that power in us. And sometimes you get so many people out there that try to knock you down, especially being a woman. That's why I say it's hard being a woman because we have to bear so much, and then it's more predominantly a male world. You know, they have so many jobs, so we have to fight just at twice or three times as hard to show them that we're equal to you too, where we can do the same thing. That's why now we have all these sports now. Women can play the same thing, and I hear men all the time, women need to just stay in their place or cook. Says who? When did you become? When did you become the woman speaker for all of us? I won't have to stay in no kitchen and cook. Times are changing now. This is not 1950s or before that. We are empowered. We work. We um we do our own thing. We make our own money. So don't let nobody knock you off your horse. And even if you fall, you get right back on up and get on that horse and keep going. So um, I definitely see a lot of women um getting empowered by you. And this book it is so per it is. It's it's profound. It, you get so many insights about it. It's not just stories about magic. It's about hope. Trying to make it to the next day. That's all we're trying to do, get to the next day. That's based on what I take from this book. And I, I love every bit of them and it's a pleasure to have them. Um, we're gonna give you the information where you can get Dr. Sullivan book, but I want to ask this Sullivan um Dr. Sullivan. What what actually compels you to study 
terrors and goddesses. And are you continuing to are you continuing to visit the Brickhead Island to discover more? Oh yes, I go back twice a year at least. Um, I go back and uh, I, right now I've can well I usually go back to Glastonbury to, to Somerset to the southwest of England, um, but uh, often I go to either France or Ireland also, and I continue to to find uh, heroines and goddesses in in those areas because you know it's so great to find stories of women, ancient stories of women who who rode into war with their husbands, who who were queens in their own right, who were uh, medicine women, or uh, they had they were actually served as justices of the peace and and wise women for the whole community. So you find, I don't, I haven't found too many cultures where that's the case, where women were absolutely equal, who held land. You know, if you look at a lot of the stories, you know, pe- people would tell me, oh, well, women, you know, before the vote, 1920, women were furniture. You know, <laughs> I was like, this is not good. <laughs> so, it's so, so you go back and you find the stories such as the Kaliak. I mean, the Kaliak is great. That's in the first book, Legends of the Grail. And I, I have her there. She's, she's actually the last story in that book because her grail might be the first one. She has a cauldron. And... When you go to find someone like her, I actually went to the place. Uh, the, a couple places are dedicated to her, but there's one in particular called La Crew. And when you go to our, she's in Ireland, and when you go to Ireland, she's also in Scotland. She appears a few places, but I went to Ireland to this place, La Crew, and you have to you have to walk up a, a, a hilltop. And um, I went in February, and it was raining, and there were a couple birds, and a couple. Every now and then, you'd see a sheep. But you're basically on your own out in the middle of this, of this windswept, rainy landscape, rocky, um, kind of barren landscape. And you'd think there'd be, right? You'd think there'd be a lot of people there because they'd be interested in this ancient goddess. But no, nobody's there. So anyway, I went out. So her story is ten thousand years old, maybe older. And she is the old woman, and she's the sort of classic witch. You know, she was turned into a witch, but she's a lot more than a witch. She's the old woman of the world who stirs her pot because she has all the seeds of everything that would ever grow. And so when you walk up into this place, there's this old cairn. And the cairn is a little bit like Stonehenge, you know, where you have the big rocks, but it's got a a cover on top of it. And so when you go in, you'll see these old symbols. They're like circles and squiggles and different things with people. And you go in, and it's, inside it looks like a three-leaf clover. So there are three different rooms. And you can sit in there, and you can do a little conscious meditation with the old woman of the world. And she pe- appears in every mythology, every mythology in the entire world. The old woman of the world is there. We know her generally as Mother Earth or Gaia. You know, she's most famous as Gaia. And that's a place where you can go and say, Mother Earth, you know, Gaia, let me know your dreams because I know we've created a wasteland here. We've created a big mess on planet Earth. How do we create from here so that we can move back into rhythm and harmony with you? How do we heal the oceans? How do we heal the air? How do we move, work with animals so that they're not tortured, so that we work together? How do we hold hands as a humanity together so that we all thrive. How do we do this old woman of the world, you know? And, uh, you know, when you consciously dream like that, it might be that you get ideas. Quite often, if you make a pilgrimage, a heroine's quest like that, you'll get some ideas. And you can do that sitting in your own living room. You don't have to go anywhere, but you can sit and go, Mother Earth, how can I move back into alignment with you? You can call her Eve. You can say Mother Eve. How do I work consciously with the mothering energy? So when I wrote the Legends of the Grail series, what it was really about was the fact that I felt in most religions the feminine had been abandoned and that in doing that we had cut ourselves in half. We understood transcendence. We understood the goodness of Jesus. I mean, wonderful things, but we had forgotten the power 
the juice, the creativity, the fertility, the love, the beauty of the feminine. And so that's what the books are really about, is going on a quest to find what was lost a long time ago and to say, let's bring this back now. Because if the women, the feminine energies and the masculine energies can dance together in harmony, we're going to live into a golden age. We're going to have a great time on earth and live together. And if, and if not, you know, if, we, if we're just going to, well, we don't even want to go if we don't do that, where we're going to go. And technology can support too. You know, we can we can come up with ways to recycle plastics. You know, instead of throwing them in the ocean, we can we can come up with ways. You know, so people don't have to to work in terrible conditions and in sweat houses. There are ways that we can do, but we have to remember that we're creative, and that that we might create ourselves into a difficult situation. But we can also create our way back out. We just have to be imaginative. And want what's good, want what's um, what's best for everyone. Now, speaking on that, um, I would like to know this: Why are whales, lakes, and maybe other bodies of water important? How do we go about recovering the voice of the lost feminine? Well, in, in the book, I, I have um, so in Arthurian legend, there was something that happened, um, and. It might have been real, there might have been historical, it might have been historical, and it might be sort of a mix of history and, and fiction. But what happened was that there was a man named, it's interesting, if you look at his name, it looks like A. Mangon. A. Mangon's is his name, but A. Mangon. And at the time, we were talking about the 5th century, the knights would ride, uh, this is the time of the Knights Templars, and they would ride to these wells, these sacred wells, and they're all over Britain uh, and Ireland, um, these sacred places. Um, there's, still, there's a very famous uh, well to Bridget you can still go to in Kildare, and also the Chalice Well in Somerset. But anyway, they were all over, all over the place, and people would ride there, and they would ask the, the lady of the well uh, for nourishment, and she might give them some food and some water from the well, and they might also ask for a vision and these were empowered Celtic women. So they, they could look in to the water and they could say, well, this is your future, or this is how you need to go, what, what needs to happen next. So they were known as the, the, the Grail Maidens. And what happened is a Mangon's rape started going around raping all of them. And so they didn't really like this so much. They weren't into domination. They were into respect. And since they weren't respected, they disappeared they disappeared. And so a lot of the, you know, search for the grail is looking for this lost feminine that disappeared. She took her magic, she took her vision, and she left because she wasn't treated properly. But if you look about it, you know, today, this happens today too. If you don't treat a woman correctly, she's going to take, she's going to disappear. She's not going to be there for you. So, um, so part of what we've done is to go back to these wells, apologize for the ways in which, um, these deities have been uh, treated, and to to go back and to find, you know, to to connect in, to call back those pieces of our souls that that have been obliterated, that have been damaged through violence and greed and misunderstanding, and to go there and say, you know, I know, not only have I been through trauma, but most women have been through trauma, most people have been through trauma. And uh, let's forgive all of this. And, and, you know, the reason we forgive is, is so that we don't carry bitterness and pain anymore. That's really why we forgive. It means we drop the suitcase that we're carrying around. We don't do it anymore. We drop, we drop that energy so that we can open to healing. We can open up to really the, the beautiful things, our gemstones, our diamonds, our emeralds, the things that are really important in our lives, our, our own, the emerald of our own heart. So... Uh, so, so we can do this daily, you know, and just in a meditation, it's just really easy. You can just walk out into the earth, take your shoes off, and you you can if you live in the country, it's easy. If if not, you can go to park, and you just take your shoes off and you just put your feet in the soil for a minute, and you just say thank you, thank you, Earth, for allowing me to be here. May I walk with you in peace. Show me how, you know, just a very simple prayer. 
if you live near a body of water, if you live near the ocean, if you live near a, a lake or a, a stream or something, you can go to the stream and you can say, you know, grail maidens. And grail maidens, it's really sort of an archetypal energy. So what you're saying is, allow me to feel, allow me to feel the goddess or the, the energies of my own heart. Allow me to truly feel what is good in this world. Allow me to feel the emerald of my heart, you know. So that's why each um, element is important. The air is about finding your own ideas, your own sparkle. You know, they have this whole children's series called Sparkle, and she remembers her, her inner light. You know, so in the, the air, you can remember the, the lightness of your thoughts. You can, you can allow new creativity to come to you. You can listen to the ways in which the wind moves through the trees and then realize you can be part of the dreams of the wind that are weaving through. And then we have, you know, also the, the sunlight, and we can, re, you know, it's, it's getting hotter. The earth's getting hotter, but the sun also, re, you know, helps things blossom and helps things. Without the sun, we don't live at all. So we can also move into to right harmony with fire, elements of fire. And um, in the Celtic tradition, this is fun too. In the Celtic tradition, and not in so many other traditions, but in the Celtic tradition, you have solar goddesses. Uh, usually, goddesses are seen, seen as the moon, so they're seen as the, the, the energy that reflects the light of the masculine, which is nice, but <laughs> the solar goddesses reflect their own light in their own way. So the most famous one is, is Anya, she's sometimes called Anu, but in the old, old days, there were two paths, two hills, and they would go and light her nipples at the summer solstice to invite in the light of of uh, the shining light of the world to the people so that all things would flourish so, so all things would be fertile so that all life would would um would thrive so i thought that was that was really neat that uh that anya the solar goddess would smile upon all of us <laughs> it, it is it makes it does make you chuckle a little each one like i said it, it sticks with you cuz this is positive and it focuses, it gives you so much insight. We're looking at goddesses with all these admirable qualities, but at the same time, this still lives up today, even through what you were just saying, how we have to forgive the, with the right victims who, who were inspired by being able to all this leads up to what is going on now today, even up 2019, like this is still relevant. This is a way to get a chance for freedom and independence. Um, that's why I love it so much. I found it beautifully well put, and it's a great reading for anybody. But is it, would you consider this for all ages or maybe starting at the age of 13 and on up? Yeah, probably probably 12 or 13 up because um, there are some, some sort of romantic parts to the book. Um, if if they're younger than you know 12 and under, then a story of becoming is for everybody. And then if they're say nine and under, the Sparkle series would work for for them. So there there are stories of light for all ages, and um, I think you you could probably work with. I think it's really good for teenagers. But again, I've tried to make it available for everyone, and also it doesn't really matter what your religious beliefs are or or how you were raised or anything. I've tried to make it just very open so that you you can go back and you can you can tap in. Because, you know, when we're working with archetypes, people go, well, what are archetypes? And I think, I'm, I think of goddesses as archetypes. So that means it's a big energy. So like Bridget, for instance, is the archetypal energy of the springtime maiden. Or if we think about it in a contemporary sense, it's like the energy of new life, of youth. Of um, the prom- you know, the promise of the of the the youth that lives within each of us. Whereas the the Kaliak is the archetype of the old woman, the wise old woman that you would go to if you're upset and you need advice. So, so if you if you think about it this way, you're working with. I mean, we get like what 80 years, 90 years, 100 years here. These archetypes, 10,000 year old yeah. archetypes, we're tapping into. You know, so we're we're tapping into 10,000 years of wisdom. What would a woman who's ten thousand years old say about this particular problem that I have right now? So, really delighted to hear right before we got on the show that um, the book has been nominated as a as a cover um, award winning book uh, for contemporary spirituality 
so I think I think that's really I feel I'm really happy that people voted for the book and and um it's also a silver winner with Nautilus for women's fiction and it won the gold for the independent independent uh Ippy. It's called Independent Ippy. And uh, it won the gold uh, there for visionary fiction. So I'm really pleased that it's it's winning awards and that it's selling well and people are finding it. And I do feel that the messages are healing for this time. And, and it's, practi- it's practical, too. So it's not just, oh, you know, these stories of – I mean, it's the mythology itself, I think, is important to know that there really were women that were powerful – and they have been there throughout history, that, that there's not a blank until 1920 and then we got the vote. No, that's not true. There are women throughout history who have been very powerful and very important, and we need to remember that. In fact, I think it should be added into the schools. All young women should know that they're powerful people that they can emulate, that we're good people on the earth, you know? We're not forgotten. Yeah. <laughs> right? And then there's the Go ahead. I was going to say to Dr. Sullivan, definitely not only the classrooms, but the younger children, but also make it a, a required book for college courses. Because I took feminism classes, and this would have been great. This is like a Helen of Troy type book right here. So, yes, these books need to be included in the libraries for all. I do, I do believe that's true. And I and I will say that I, I was happy to see when Legends of the Grail came out that uh, several of the large universities, Ivy League universities, and uh, I think there were about 200 college college universities that picked the book up. And I hope they're using them in the curriculum. Um, that would be wonderful. It's something new. It, it hasn't we it, it hasn't been included for a long time. It hasn't been included, and it is time now. And you know, like the, the Dalai Lama said, it's Western women that will save the world, and I believe that. Mm-hmm. Mhm. I believe that too. We start this creation, and we're gonna and we're gonna definitely finish this creation, ladies. Let's stand strong. Um, do you offer private sessions, consultations, or workshops? Do you have an Do you have an event page? I do. I have an events page. You can check it out. I I just uh, moved from California to Virginia, so I haven't had as much on my list. But coming in 2020, so next year I'll have. Um, uh, heroines class for people to go on um, and I will have uh, I'm still continuing to do private sessions for people who you know, are very interested in the subject they feel like they're awakening something's moving in them they have creative energies creative powers they want to work with it so I, I also have a, a master's in spiritual psychology so I help I help those people and also people who are writing inspirational books I, I coach them too so um, I'm pretty easy to find online. I, I have a website. My name is spelled a little differently. It's A-Y-N, um, and it's uh, there's an Irish goddess named Ania, so, uh, so I'm connected to her. It means the light. And so AnnKateSullivan.com, uh, and you can find me on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. All the books are available through Amazon, Barnes & Noble. Most bookstores um, will have them. And so the most recent is Heroines of Avalon and Other Tales. Avalon Avalon is an otherworldly place where women go to become empowered. Wow. You were just meant to do this. This was your chosen path with the name already. The name was chosen already, and the greatness just had to follow right along. A lot of times our names are meant for something. We get... We're given those names for a reason. I don't think that our parents have, uh, I don't think our parents are always the ones, hey, I, of course they did give us our name, but that name came out their mouth for a reason. And that's why this greatness right here is, is proven right here with these two books. So I'm hoping everybody gets these books on their shelf, The Legend of the Grail and Herons of Avalon. Dr. Sullivan, I appreciate you so much for being on this show. I can't wait um, till some more books come out. I was glad to have you back on. This was a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, do enjoy the stories. You're so close. Okay. Thank, Thank you. I was just You're saying, welcome. I hope I hope you really will um, embrace the stories. Remember your lineage. Remember your wondrous inner sparkle. 
and and continue to thrive. Thank you, because if we all do our research, we are came from a great lineage, not just starting from the 70s and on up, but actually just going far back as you did, Dr. Sullivan, to find out that we, our history goes back. We have some queens who, who were leaders out there. Man, it, it sparked some interest in me to do a little more research on, on my lineage tree. But before I leave you, I have the truth for the day from my friend Mary Ellen Sitnovich. Spontaneity can lead you towards your incorrect choice. It can also be a, a virtue because it allows you to make difficult decisions without fear. Your inner self will always know what is best for you, yet you may reject this decision because of your fears or, or apprehension. When you make a leap of faith that is inspired by spontaneous, you do not have time to mull it over or worry about it. Today, move forward, secure in the knowledge your higher power is guiding you. Enjoy the day everyone, and I will see you next time on Blog Talk Radio on the Bright Side with Technicia, and God bless. I love you all. Thanks for listening to the Bright Side with Technicia. If you like what you heard, tell your dad, mother, cousin, uncle, whomever. Be sure to check out the archive section at www.brightsidewithtk.com. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.